we have a few seconds to get started. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Gracious and kind Heavenly Father, we, we do praise you, love you, and thank you for allowing us this moment, this hour, to study your word, to engage in discussion regarding life and how you expect us to live and, and the tools you've given us, Lord God, to uh, be the kind of people you would have us to be, even in stressful situations throughout life. We ask that you'll bless us to Remember Jesus as we study tonight and uh, open our, our eyes and our ears uh, to understand your word. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we do pray and thank thee to be thy will. Amen. Okay, so tonight, um, let's turn please to Romans 12 and we'll begin at verse 17. Tonight, uh, we're going to do some of the, talk about some of the hard stuff, right? And the hard stuff in regards to Having a positive mental attitude, it's easy to have a positive mental attitude when everything is going great. But what about when things aren't going so well, right? How do you, how do we do that? And so we'll look at we'll look at a passage or two uh, with that. So we we're free moral agents, right? Um, we we are allowed to make decisions and choices, and and we can we'll find ourselves sometimes upset, angry, find ourselves maybe a little bit you know tad bit depressed or even some even more so uh, depressed, and we find ourselves in life in struggles and etc. At some point in life, through difficulties, we have to seek after peace, right? Like, you know, how do I how do I get to that that moment of peace? Jesus says, "The peace I give," John uh, fourteen twenty seven. I give not as the world gives, and so so basically, the peace that Jesus gives is like a peace that's in the midst of chaos. And I want to look at a scripture on that one in a moment. But Romans 12 and verse 17. So living our lives, we know this scripture very well. I'll never pay back evil for evil. To anyone, respect what is right in the sight of all men. And then verse 18. um, Sometimes we treat it like it says, so far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. But that's not how it actually reads. It reads, if possible, right? Um, if possible, verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. The inference there is sometimes it's not possible to find peace, okay, in our situations in life regarding one individual to another, right? So think about the context. Uh, Rome, they're, in, um, they're the rulers, and uh, the Roman soldier comes and He's going to take you off to prison uh, or whatever because you're a Christian uh, or he's persecuting you in some way. There's not going to be peace with that Roman guard because uh, that Roman guard has come to bring havoc, if you will, wreak havoc in your life uh, and to create chaos and to bring punishment for following Jesus, uh, following the illegal religion as Rome uh, declared it in in that time and in that day. Um, so how do we how do we deal with that right that that pressure that comes upon uh, the mind right and also the body right so 
comes upon the mind when there, and there's no middle ground, and I'm just having to deal with this, this chaos over and over again, whether it be persecution, um, some, some might, you know, right now be in a marriage situation that is just, is just fighting it back and forth and back and forth. And, and uh, how, do, how, do we get, how do we get to that place, right? So that's the hard stuff, right? How do we find that inward peace, even when peace cannot be attained between me and another person? Um, how do I find that peace inside of my head, right? In my mind, regardless of the situation. So uh, it's the hard stuff. Matthew 5. Matthew 5, and let's begin in verse 38. Verse 38. And I, and I want to ask you, um, when have you ever seen this done? Right. I mean, now, so, well, let's read it first. 38. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist him who is evil. Whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you, take your shirt from uh, and take your shirt, let him have also your coat. And whoever shall force you to go with them one mile, go with them too. Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Basically, 38 through, through 41, an eye for an eye and a two for a tooth is a whole lot easier <laughs> than turn the other cheek. Right? Turn the other cheek in that someone's continually berating you. And instead of reacting or responding in a negative way, I mean, how many times have you seen a person bless that individual? I just love you and Godspeed to you, and they do it every day, and you, you bless them every day. Have you, have you seen that in that Christian walk of faith? I mean, think about that, right? Here's a command from Jesus. This is the hard stuff. This is the how am I going to bless the Roman soldier who just who killed my mom my, or whomever, right? Members of the church, the body, and then here they are running through our neighborhood looking for someone else. And Jesus says, love your enemy. This is the hard stuff, right? This is the stuff that, that destroys marriages, right? Where there, there's this chaos, there's friction, and there's fight, and no one wants to submit, right? No one wants to be humble. No one wants to say, I'm sorry. No one wants to say, hey, let's just not be in this place. And then I'm going to be the bigger person, if you want to call it that. And I'm going to set the example as a Christian. And I'm going to be a Christian. And regardless of, I mean, I'm not saying it isn't done, but it's, maybe it's not done often enough in, in marriages, in the, body, uh, in the body of Christ, or out of the body of Christ. Going the extra mile of the way, right? Going the extra mile. Going that, that next step. You, know, you, didn't, you didn't have to go that far, but you went, you went the extra mile of the way for your your enemy. It's the hard stuff, right? We're trying to figure out, okay, how do, I, how, do I, how do I get that peace? How do I come to that place in my life where um, the, the stuff that isn't fun, where the, the difficult stuff becomes a common practice in my life? And so we know the, we know the easy answer is, we'll start with the easy and then we'll move on to the more difficult. The easy answer is, well, look to Jesus, right? right we, can, we know that. Right? We know we should always go and look to Jesus. But to be like Jesus is a whole different, it's a whole different sermon, right? A life. So Jesus, Isaiah 9 and verse 6, is the Prince of Peace. Right? And, and he knew uh, how to 
to be at peace in the midst of, of his enemies. And he exemplified peace, a peaceful mind, in a difficult setting right, throughout his life. And I want to just go look at Peter for a moment, Second uh, Peter chapter 2. And I want you to think in for just a moment that calm, that, that, you know, how do I gain that calm that Jesus went to the garden and, and he prayed to the Father and then he said, he concluded his prayer with, not my will, but thine be done. What, what had to happen in his mind right, um, to help him to get to that place where he could say, where we can say, not my will, but thine be done, and then go in that direction, the will of the Father. What has to happen up, up here? Number one, first of all, you don't just say it, you have to believe it. Right? That's important. But something has to happen up here. This transformation has to happen in the mind for an individual to be able to say, not my will, but thine be done. Something has to be removed from my heart. Selfishness. You get, you, that's the first thing that has to go away. Because if I'm hurting, and, and you're the one hurting me, it's kind of hard for me to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to turn the other cheek. No, I, I like the other part of the verse in Matthew 5, you know, eye for an eye, two for a two. Right? That feels better. Revenge feels better. Right? Maybe not in the end, but at the moment. But that's not where God calls us. God calls us to be at peace. Jesus got to that point. Yes, go ahead. Yes, it is a discussion class. Thank you for starting us off. Thank you, Stephen. Yes. Right. Right. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's tough stuff, isn't it? Yeah. How do you get to that point? Right? Jesus, he, we, and we're going to get there, right, by the way. Thank you for that. Um, for the joy set before him and do the cross. Joy. I'm thinking, like, I'm thinking about the guy that's going to drive that nail in my hands. That's not going to be fun. And, ooh, wait till you meet me at Judgment Day. That, no, that's not how God thought, right? That's not what he did. In your, you are the master of your mind. Right? We are the masters of our minds. Just because it's difficult um, doesn't mean it's excusable. Right? And I, I love using athleticism only because I, I do know that uh, a bit. And, um, but have you ever heard people say, I just, you know, like even, even uh, Paul says I, I, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I buffet my body and make it my slave. I mean, you know, oh boy, I mean, you put your body through some, you know, rigorous, maybe we're looking at athleticism, training to get to the end. And we've heard people say it. It's just mind over what? Matter. Your body says no more. Your mind says we're going to keep going. Well, if we can do that to our physical flesh, our bodies, can we do it to our, with our spiritual souls, our lives? Of course we can. We just don't want to. <laughs> we just don't like it, right? And so we don't want to. So, so Jesus combining now the physical pain and the spiritual mind and, and the mind controlled the body's response 
if you will, or should I say, it was a mental response, though the body was afflicted, right? And it was a spiritual response because Jesus stayed in total control. Okay, we'll come back to that. Look at verse 21. 1 Peter chapter, chapter 2. Well, you have been called for this uh, purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Pause for a moment. What makes us think that becoming a Christian means we're not going to suffer? Right? What makes us think that becoming a Christian means we're not going to have hard times? And, and what makes us think, if we were in those days, that becoming a Christian means you're not, you know, you're going to go to jail and then you're going to die for Jesus, right? And in your mind, you're going, yes, I'll die for Jesus. But it takes a while because they leave you in prison for a while first until they decide how they want you to die. And you don't get to choose it. <laughs> but what makes me think that I'm going to have an, an easy death? And I used to think about that, you know, all the time. I'm like, okay, Lord, so I know we're all going to die. If I die, you know, God, if I could just go to sleep, <laughs> just not wake up, that'd be great. You know, like, well, how selfish. Jesus went to the cross. If you're going to be a Christian, live for Jesus. And whatever's going to come is going to come. But don't lose your perspective. I'm going to come to that because that, that's really important here. So Jesus left us an example. And suffering is part of that example he left us. But the example he left us is how to endure the suffering. Right? It's easier just to come in. I'm just going to blast everyone. So as a Christian, we could, we could live as skunks, right? And just spray everyone and waddle away like nothing happened. Um, we can shout back and, and for just a moment lose my Christianity, just for a moment, and they'll forgive me. Or we can really think about every move that we make. And that's tough, right? I'm not, again, this is the hard stuff, right? But it's still not, just because it's tough does not make it excusable, right? Okay, so he left us an example. Verse 22, it says, Who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. How much sin would I have committed if they were beating me with those scourges, scourge whips? Um, you think I might have lashed out a couple times in anger? I mean, yeah, me, I would have. How about you? <laughs> I would have had control. But I'm telling myself that, so then I already know I won't have control, right? Because he was a man, right? 23. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. And while suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. That's interesting that that's in there, right? So he knew what he could do. It's easy for me to come back at you, right? That's, that's, that's easy. You bring out something about me, and I'll come back, defend myself, and I'll bring out something about you, and then we'll both go home hurt in the end of the day, uh, and I feel better. Maybe I won, or maybe I didn't win. I don't know what happened, right? It's easy to do that, but that's not what Jesus did. Jesus looked to the Father instead, right? So Ecclesiastes 7, 21, 22, says to look to yourself, because guess what? The thing you're angry about, that I'm angry about, that someone's done to me, I've probably done that to someone else too. So be careful, right, how you judge someone else in, in regards to these things. So the hard stuff is to, to take a step away and let's ask ourselves this question. 
in Christianity, is there still the honorable road? Right? The things that I do are honorable. I think that's in Philippians, right? Honorable. How, how important is honor to us? In the ancients, that was really important. You know, honorable death. Uh, he lived an honorable life. You know, that word honor really kind of, it really it meant something uh, in, in depth to them. I get to choose. I get to choose how I develop my, my mind, how I develop my, my, my mental um, uh, power, if you will, and structure of faith. I get to choose to look to God and say, God, I, I know that you know what's going on, and um, my perspective is in life that whatever happens to me, I know God knows. But I also know God knows whatever I do to other people. And so like I try to tell my family, my children growing up, it's not what people do to you that matters to God in a sense. It's what you do to others. So be careful what you do to other people, right? Because people are going to do mean things, say mean things, they're going to act in mean ways um, without honor. They're going to uh, treat you in a certain way because you're, um, you're a Christian, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But what's important is what you do to them. You have to live with that. Right? You have to live with what you do to them. They probably in the world, they might not care, but you will care. And one day you look back at that and it's going to bother you. Always think about what you, how you are going to respond to other people. Try to keep the proper perspective in life and look to the God who looks down low and sits on high. He'll judge them. He'll take care of it. Do we still believe that? Is that still true? I mean, that's the example in Second Peter, First um, Peter rather, chapter two. Jesus kept looking to the Father, and and it's it's um, it's proper and it's Christ-like to look to God. Hebrews, um, let's go look at Hebrews chapter twelve, and and that's the part maybe in our Christian walk of faith that maybe sometimes is more difficult to do. To look to God, because when you look to God and you try to respond in a way that, that you know God would expect you to, and you want to please your Father, uh, that's easy to do it, at, you know, in, in good times. But, but when someone's in your face and, you know, or, or something's happening to you that you don't like, it's hard to pause for a moment. Hey, time out. Let me look to the Father for a second. It's hard to, so you have to do that. In the good time, so it becomes second nature. In the bad time, right? I'm not going to retaliate. I don't have to, right? You know, it's like if I go and get revenge, okay, maybe I did a good job at that. I feel good about it now. Um, but the difference between God and I, of course, is that God does it with salvation in mind. When I do it, I'm going to tear you apart, and you'll probably never become a Christian, right? The preacher, can you believe the preacher said that to me, or or did that of all people? Okay, so looking to Jesus, Hebrews 2, heroes of faith. And so imagine the one that gets me, I don't know if you have one of your, I don't want to call it a favorite, because it isn't necessarily a favorite chapter. <laughs> it's a great chapter in faith, but whew, they suffer in that faith, right? The one that gets me all the time is the one that was sawn in two. They say it was, maybe it was Isaiah. I don't know who it is. It doesn't say so. 
Um, yeah, you go, hmm, okay. That one, imagine that for a moment. You're going to lay you down, you're going to take a saw, and you're going to saw you in half. You're gonna, and you can't do anything about it. Imagine the pain and the, the agony and the suffering uh, in that. And that, that, one, that one gets me. But, but here we are, we're looking to this great cloud of witnesses who have uh, overcome. Uh, they, they hold fast their, their faith to God in, in these particular instances in their lives. And in verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside the encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And then, and then he catapults us into this idea of, okay, instead of looking parallel, look vertically, right? Look to Jesus. That's the only way we're going to make it, church. We have to look to Jesus. And whether that means in your mind um, to, to, to um, help, you know, with the thought, the concept of looking Jesus, you know, people always say, look up. So you, maybe you look up. I don't know. But, but look to Jesus in your life. Emulate what, what Jesus would do. And, and, and don't just look, but like Stephen, fixate your mind on Jesus, right? Of course, he physically could see Jesus when Jesus stands. Uh, but, but fixating our mind on the end. So I'm in my situation. The question I want to ask myself is, how do I want to come out on the other side? I want to come out uh, with, with, a, with a God who's pleased with me, and so I handle it in a way that is pleasing to God, or do I want to come out on the other side and just feel good about it? That might, be, that might not be the right way of dealing with those situations. How do I maintain that positive mental attitude? Well, if you look to Jesus, what amount of suffering could you talk to Jesus about? And say, Jesus, I'll tell you why, why I serve because, and what would you write down? I hope you'd say nothing. <laughs> he went to the cross, endured the shame, suffered, except, and had no reason to. And so the, the example to us is that you can keep the law perfectly. We just choose not to. Maybe we don't want to admit that, but that's the, tr- that's the truth. That's what Jesus showed us. He came, he showed us the, oh, the over 600 laws of the Old Testament. He kept every one of them perfectly until his dying day. He showed us you can do it if you want to. We just don't always choose to. So what has to go away? What has to um, be separated out from the mind? And, and the answer is selfishness has to go away. Right? And then life has to be viewed from a certain perspective. Perspective. So... Remember when the apostles, let's think about this for just a moment. Um, the apostles in the earlier days, Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, they went through um, turmoil. It uh, started out with, with Peter healing the man who was lame. You know, he gets up, he walks, and, and there's a big issue about that in the name of Jesus. And the, the leaders are saying, stop using the name Jesus. Stop preaching in his name. Stop telling these people about Jesus because, you know, that was the whole thing, right? Uh, Jesus is coming. He's going to take their nation. Uh, John 11, they didn't want that. They wanted these apostles, the Sanhedrin, the, the leaders, to stop talking about Jesus. And 
chapter, Acts chapter 5, there's something interesting, perspective, right, about life as, as the apostles are going out and they're preaching about Jesus. And in Acts 5, it's around verse 40, listen to what, listen to what Peter and the apostles say. Verse 40. Um, let's go to just do 40, 40. Yeah, we'll do 41. 40. Uh, they, looked, they took his advice, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them to speak no more in the name of Jesus and then release them. So now, you've been flogged, and now you come out irritated and agitated and aggravated, and, you know, we're going to get those Romans, and you become a zealot now, right? You join the zealot group, because they're going to fight against the government, and you're going to do this. That's not what they did. It says in verse 41, perspective. So they went their way. They went on their way in the presence of the council, rejoicing. And that's what you were mentioning earlier, right? Why would you rejoice over being beaten up by, by people who are supposed to be religious? You know, they rejoicing that they had perspective that they had been not, they didn't focus on the beatings. They focused on the consideration of God. That God considered them worthy to suffer, to be beaten, to be persecuted for his name's sake. That was honorable. Well, that's kind of some ancient thinking there, isn't it, right? Can, can we do that today? What do you think? If something happens to us today, if Satan takes it upon himself that today, we, we don't want this, right? Nobody's signing up. There's no list up here. <laughs> but Satan has taken it upon himself to choose you, that today, it's your day. And, you know, he's been, you know, he's prowling about like a roaring lion and uh, seeking someone to devour. And today, today is my day. Just to be considered by Satan means you're doing something right. Right? Why don't you go pick, you know, some of those bad guys over there? He already has those guys. Do I look at life in that way? Not all the time. How about you? Right? To keep life in perspective, to see the Ephesians 6 battle, that, you know, our battle is not flesh and blood, to see that there's, there's, some, there's some stuff going on outside of me that, that I don't have control over, that spirit world but there's some stuff going on outside of me i'm just a i'm a little piece of the puzzle and if, if and god wants to use me for good and i'm going to allow god to use me for good if i don't have my perspective under control when i'm in the midst of a perverse and crooked world i'm going to have a hard time being christ-like in a in a in, in a situation or in an environment that isn't conducive to bringing good into my life. Right? So I'm going to struggle with that. But if I go into this with a Christ-like mindset or, or attitude, I'm going to work, or uh, make, it, make it more personal, I'm going to go home to my wife. We've been arguing the last you know, three months or two months or a week or a day. I'm going to go home and say, I'm sorry. You know, I, I'll take full, you know what? I, I did it. I'm this is what God wants me to do. This is where I'm supposed to be. I was wrong. I'm, what about that kind of, you know, I guess. Perspectives of life. God, I, I need to be 
what you want me to be, not when I want to be that, but always. That's the hard stuff. But that's called Christianity, isn't it? Right? It's called Christianity. And, and so Christianity is not a life of fluff and just absolute beauty and joy. Uh, when you're looking, if you're looking in the spirit world, looking at God, of course, it's beautiful and joyful. But it's down here with these people. And, and what did David say? I could endure it if it was like the world, but it's my own brethren. What happens when it's inside the church? Like, whew. But who is going to be Christ-like? Who is going to maintain that positive mental attitude in the midst of chaos and struggle, even in the body of Christ? And that's where we all should be. We all should have made our minds up tonight to come to this building knowing that one thing happened all day. There was a war. Right? There was a war. And every one of you, maybe some of us, are, I don't really recognize it. Well, every one of us were involved in that war. It's a spiritual war. Spiritual battle, life and death. And life went pretty, maybe it went pretty decent today. Maybe there were some hiccups in your day. Part of that war, right? Life. And to recognize that all of my brethren have been at war today. They're tired. Satan tried to keep from coming tonight. A little worn out. Can't wait to get home. Gotta get ready for tomorrow. Go back into the battle. With that idea in mind, how should we treat one another tonight? Greet one another with a holy kiss. Like, oh, brother, I'm so glad to see you. Sister, oh, I'm so happy that you're here tonight. To be encouragers and build each other up and say, let's go back out there and do it again. Right? That's what we're supposed to do when we come together. But you have to decide in your mind, in your heart, that that's what you're going to do. Because no one knows, I don't know, what you've been through today. And you don't know what I've been through today. And of course, continuing that thought amongst the entire body, whether they're here tonight or at home, we just don't know. So shouldn't we look for that opportunity to encourage each other and build each other up and say, go get him, Tiger. Go back out there and fight Satan another day. This is the stuff that's not so fun, but it's perspective. It's the stuff that we're supposed to do. Because we have something that the world doesn't have that we just can't forget. You and I have a reservation, and it's in heaven. Right? Let's go look at 1 Peter chapter 1, and let's think about what I can think of that will be so positive and so great that even in the midst of chaos and struggle, um, I can think of these scriptures and they're going, to, they're going to bring joy into my heart regardless of what situation I'm in. Does it make it easier? I don't know. Perspective does make it easier. Right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I don't have... The longest I've ever run because of boxing and military it was about... Um, as far as straight, is, is eight and a half miles. And that's it. And I was done. And that's not something I signed up for. And I will never sign up for that again. <laughs> right? So if someone says, oh, man, you got to do a, mar- a marathon because we're going to break it down to th- in the, you know, thirds, and that's how you view a marathon, and then I, I don't, I'm, not go- I'm not signing up for I'm not signing up for that. <laughs> right? Um, 
But if I did sign up for it, I'm willing to take my body through grueling pain and suffering to get what I want. Right? Remember that word selfish? Well, do that for Jesus. Be willing to take your mind and your body through grueling pain for Jesus. It, for, it's for Jesus. It's not for me. And that's that removing, again, removing that selfishness to say I'm doing this for, for Jesus. I'm doing this for you, God. And then you think about what God has done for you. So we have this reservation. We're always thinking, okay, this is not it. This life is not it. This moment is not it. This, this situation is not it. There's more to come. Right? There's so much more to look forward to. Right? And so every day I'm looking forward to the new day that might not come, which brings the other new day, right? the eternal day. And so how exciting that is for us. So looking, perspective, looking at perspective, looking to Jesus, right? Remember Hebrews 12, um, verse 2. Just listen to this passage, verse, verse 3. Let's look at it together. Now, if you have your Bibles, I, I hope. Let's read it together. Let's think about perspective. And let's think about happiness, and then um, let's try to get our minds wrapped around what Stephen said earlier. I'm going to do this with joy. What? Let's try to, how do we do that, right? Perspectives of life. Verse 3 says, Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life in God. Oh, I'm in Second Peter, sorry. That's, that's a good one too, by the way. It's a seven steps. Okay, three. Blessed be the God and Father, excuse me, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A dead hope? Living hope. Every moment of the day in your life is a living hope. Every moment, every second of the day, hope is alive. Hope is alive. Oh, I hope I get, not that, oh, I hope tomorrow is a better day. Not that kind of hope, right? True hope. Every single moment and second of the day, there is living hope. Well, okay, all right. So that means... There's always a way out, right? I mean, it may mean death for us, and that's, isn't that kind of what we're, I think that's why we're Christians anyway, to, to go home, right? But, but bring it back to this life, I know there's a way out. I know God has something else planned for me if I'm going to live through this. I know I'm not stuck in the trunk forever. I'm not down the pit forever. I'm not down the mud forever. No, God has his hand out, and when it's time, he's going to lift me out of this situation. There's always hope. Hope is powerful, isn't it? If you are, if you are a prisoner of war, uh, and, and every day you, you, look at this, you look at a picture or you, you scratch a mark in the, the wall, you find a reason to live, right? POW is not me left, but they'll tell you that, right? Yeah, I find a reason to live. They would picture these images, right? My, my, my children on the swing set, you know, they get home and the child is now, uh, uh, you know, a, a teenager or a young adult. But the image was that little girl, that little boy on the swing. And that's what kept them alive. That's what kept them going when they were eating just bread and water and, and their bodies were just, just, you know, terribly tormented from a loss of, of, um, of, you know, calories and all they needed to sustain themselves. But they had that little, that little ray of hope. And God says, guess what I'm giving you? I've given every child of God living hope. It's alive. Right? The next one he gave us, verse 4, to obtain. So here's, what, here's the, the result. is to give us something. To obtain an inheritance which is 
never going to go away. It's imperishable, right? So you have this living hope. So God, help me to get through this. And then God says, I got you, okay. And you trust God. And you have a little, you got this hope. And, and you're, you're, you're going to obtain something. And what you're going to obtain is not something that's going to become brittle or become moth-eaten or, or destroyed or stolen. It's, it's an inheritance that's eternal that is specifically designated and designed for you, right? for me, individually, independently, and collectively. This inheritance is imperishable and undefiled and will now fade away. And again, we have a reservation. It's reserved somewhere. Where? Not on earth. It's in heaven for you. Let's see. Start going through the numbers. Have you done this at all? You go, okay, so as I've been counting my birthdays, I'm counting down <laughs> to the day I leave the earth. Kind of depressing in a way, right? Unless you're a Christian, <laughs> right? So you get to go home and you go, okay, all right, now, wow, I'm much closer to the grave today than I was yesterday. <laughs> How about this? I'm much closer to my reward than I was. It just sounds better, doesn't it? it, it because it is better, right? It's living. It's a reward that, you know, you know, you're not rovering your dead all over. You, you close your eyes in this life and you wake up in your reward, right? Faithful Christian, children of God, uh, through God's grace and through the blood of Jesus. And it's reserved by God for you. Who wants to throw that away? Anyone? Anyone? Anything you could think of on this earth that's worth throwing that away? Never, right? There's nothing. Come on. There's no one. There's nothing. But how many Christians... Here's the sad part. Give me, give me just a moment to be negative. Have thrown that away. They will throw heaven in the trash can and get the trash out. <laughs> Why do you want the trash when you can have heaven? Nope, I want trash. Anyway, that, that was a free one. Okay, back to the positive now. Reserved in heaven who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. So again, we're talking about perspective. How do I, how do I keep a positive mental attitude? How do I gain a positive mental attitude uh, in the midst of chaos? My perspective. Maybe you ought to read this every morning you get up. <laughs> See, I'm going to start right here. I'm going to start reading. I'm going to read the verse 9 and then get going on my day. Verse 6. And this you greatly rejoice. Read that word again. I'll take that word out of it. Nope, leave it in. Got to have joy, right? And this you greatly rejoice. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've had a great, super fantastic and fabulous life with no pain, no sorrow, no suffering. That's not what it says. It says, even though now for a little while you've been distressed by various trials, life isn't going to be without trials. But don't forget verses 3 all the way down to verse 5 and just read verse 6. Look at where verse 6 is. It's surrounded by all of this goodness. Right? right? You, got, you got verse 6 right smack in the middle of all this goodness. And you know what happens? Is the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So I'm just going to focus on verse 6. That's why I'm a Christian. I'm suffering. I'm struggling. God, when are you going to do something? What about verses 3, 4, and 5, Tony? Well, yeah, but right now I'm suffering. But no, no. Get your mind around verses 3, 4, and 5. It will help you deal with verse 6. 
positive mental attitude. It's surrounded, the negative is surrounded by the positives. Verse 7, look, he picks it right back up. Verse 7, after you've come through this, the proof of your faith means you won, you were victorious. Because of Jesus, right? You were victorious. So the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to be um, the result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So there's that idea we say over and over again, we win. (laughs) We win, we won. We're victorious, right? And though you've you've not seen him, not with your faith, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you, here's again, you greatly rejoice. You, did you put that in the Bible? You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible. Wait, did you forget, like, like verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. Lord, I don't want to suffer. Well, church, you don't get that choice. We don't get, we that option, it's not ours. The only reason we suffer is because we have an adversary. And the only reason you have an adversary is because you're not on his team. So thank God you're not on his team. Be willing to fight the adversary, Satan, right? And his demons, his people. Be willing to stand for Jesus. Be willing to be used by Jesus. Be willing to be different. Don't focus on verse 6. Look at everything that surrounds verse 6 and be full of love and joy and expressing, if you, if you will, the idea of living for Christ as being this amazing journey that is comparable to nothing. And Jesus asked the question, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Can you think of one thing? Just one? Even with all of our heads together, a bunch of smart, intelligent people, can you name one? There isn't. And then, before our time runs out, um, verse 9. How do you want to come through this thing? What do you want, what do you want to, as far as the end of the tunnel, when you, when you get to the end, what do you want to see? How do you want to come through it? And in verse 9 it says, Obtaining is the outcome of your, your faith, the salvation of your souls. How do you want to come through this? See, decide before you go into the fire. How you want to come out of the fire. Right. So in the morning, what is the very first thing we, we ought to do? Right. And then throughout your day, what should you be doing? And then when you close your day, what should, without ceasing, I think it says, because we can't do this. We cannot do this on our own. But with God, you can't lose so learn and, re- and keep life in the proper perspective that, you know what? God promised, I'll work in you, Philippians, right? And then it promises, I can do all things through him, Philippians. Why not give it to him? Casting all your anxiety upon me because he, he cares. And he's never going to allow us to go into the battle for him alone. And where is he? Remember, I know this isn't biblical, but footprints in the sand. When I'm struggling, he's carrying me on, right? 
Now, how many of us believe that? Right? How many of us believe that Jesus truly, truly is with us? And if he's with us, number one, I'm being careful where I take him. I don't take him to sin. Number two, I'm going to respond very differently when I know I've got Jesus, not behind me. He doesn't have my back. He's in front of me. That's where I need him to be, right? How many of us really, truly believe that God is with us every second, every minute of the day? And if you don't believe it, then you're calling God a liar. Because God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Now, we might leave him, but he will never leave us, right? And so tonight, positive mental attitude. Um, we didn't get to, I wanted us to finally get to, I want us to think about that. Please, t- next week, Wednesday, next week, um, let us discuss this. Let us communicate in our, in our Bible class. And let's, let's, let's lift each other up as we lift Jesus up. Let's encourage each other. Let's talk about our walk of faith in Jesus. And, and I'll give you a heads up. We're going to go to Psalm 23. Because you have to go there, right? Because that's a passage about fighting. And, and you're just... Anyway, I'll wait until we get there. Um, but I want us to talk. If you, next week, to bring your, bring your energy and, let, and let's talk. Thank you for your time tonight. Certainly appreciate it. God bless you. Uh, we'll, have, we'll dismiss for just a few minutes and we'll have a devotional. Prayer.